Well, good morning. How are y'all? <laughs> I hope y'all had a great Christmas, and I guess it's not too early to say Happy New Year, is it? Um, it's two days until New Year, so, so Happy New Year to all of you. It's hard to believe that 2018 is almost gone and that we're about to enter another year um, in 2019. My name is Dave Valoni. I'm the Senior Associate Pastor here at River Oak, and we'd like to welcome you. If, if you're a visitor with us out in Lobby A and in Lobby B at the Info Central Desk, we've got a gift for you. We'd love to give to you, and we'd love to just say thanks for coming. Um, we hope that you'll come back and visit us again and worship with us on another uh, Sunday morning. Uh, but th- today, we're going to take a look at this idea of our time. Well, at least that's how we're going to start out. When I see that video, I don't know about you, but I'm really challenged as I think about how I've spent my days, my months, my years over the last, you know, the, the, over 2018. And then when I consider it in light of the song that the worship team just sang, Build My Life, you know, worthy of every song that we sing, worthy of every breath that we breathe, we're to live our life for the Lord. One of the lines in there says, lead me in your love to those around me. How many of us just sang those words and didn't really think about what they mean? Do we really mean it? That we're going to use 2019 to ask the Lord to lead us in love to those around us? Well, today what I'd like to do is spend some time in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And we're going to look at the account of Jesus healing a paralytic man. Some of you that were in the senior adult group have heard some challenges from this passage that I've shared about a year ago, um, but I've kind of refashioned it for, for a sermon that begins here, our new year in 2019. One of the things that you see right off the bat in this passage is that these friends of this man, this paralytic man, waste no time, no time at all and getting their friend to Jesus, and they did whatever was necessary. And then we see Jesus' response. In Jesus' response, he wastes no time in getting to the heart of the matter. And yet the heart of the matter is not that he heals his legs, and he's no longer plagued by paralysis. He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. He goes to the heart of the matter, which is this man's need for forgiveness, this man's need um, to have a relationship with him, to trust and believe in who he is. He goes to the right to the heart of it. Do you ever find yourself, I know I do sometimes, kind of beating around the bush when it comes to your faith in Christ with your friends or your relatives? Maybe over the Christmas season, there was opportunity to be, to be with friends or, or neighbors or, or loved ones. You wanted to share about the hope that's in you, but you didn't go all the way. Do you ever find yourself a little bit complacent about living every day captivated and changed by Jesus? Pastor Heath, at the beginning of 2018, laid out the new mission statement for us in a four-part sermon series, and he said, our new mission statement is to live every day captivated and changed by Jesus. Do you ever find yourself a little bit complacent about that? Maybe not fully engaging in the church's strategy, right? Uh, worship with us weekly. Well, thank the Lord, we're, we're worshiping weekly. But what are the other four things that we would expect all of our people to do? Connect in a life group. Are you engaged in that regard? Do you care enough about your spiritual walk and growing in your walk with Jesus Christ so that others can see that you're building your life and that you're bringing honor and glory to the Lord to, to spend time in a group? Are you serving on a ministry team? Are you going on mission with God each and every day, no matter where it is that you go? You see, we need to sometimes evaluate where we're at in the time that we have. In Mark chapter 2, we see this group of four men who are willing to do whatever it took to bring their friend to Jesus. And we're going to kind of focus on this question today. And the question is, 
Are we willing? Are we ready to tear the roof off to bring other people to Jesus Christ? Are we willing to tear the roof off? Now, some of you are immediately thinking, oh yeah, well, in a couple months, we're going to tear that front corner of the building off. We're going to tear it off. We're going to bring everybody to Jesus, right? That's not what we're talking about, although we are going to do that. We're looking forward to the day when, when we've got a larger sanctuary over there, and that's a part of this. But this is spiritually, the roof that we're talking about here is any barrier, any limitation, anything that would stand in the way of you sharing your faith in Jesus Christ. Anything that would stand in the way of a person coming to River Oak Church and knowing what we're all about and that we're about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we ready to tear the roof off in 2019 to see other people come to know the Lord. Pretty simple plan this morning. We're going to walk right through it. We're just going to ask, who was this guy? Who brought him? Where did they bring him? And how they get him there. And will you stand with me and let's read together Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It says this. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, nor even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Then some of the scribes who were sitting there reasoned in their hearts. You know, there's always, when, when God begins to work, there's always some detractors. And they happen to generally be the religious people that are offering all the resistance, right? It says, the scribes begin to reason in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, I, I love that. Jesus doesn't even have to hear them talking. He just kind of calls them out for what they're thinking. Um, that's just like him when he's trying to call us out and, and work in our hearts. But he says, um, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Do you still believe that Jesus can change lives? I mean, I know it's morning, but that was pretty poor, all right? Do you still believe that Jesus can change lives? Yes. If we do, then are we willing to align our priorities to his priorities? If we truly believe that, are we willing to live every day captivated and changed? Are we willing to tear the roof off so that there are no barriers to people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ here in the city of Chesapeake. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you will be with us this morning. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you, Lord, that these words would come off the page, jump into our hearts and our minds, that your Holy Spirit would be present and challenge us in our thinking for the days ahead. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this church, for the great love that the people have for you. But Father, we pray that we would take another step in the journey this year, moving forward 
captivated and changed by you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Just to give you a little bit of context, I'm going to start with verses 1 and 2 there. And it says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days. Now, Capernaum was basically becomes the hub of Jesus's ministry in Galilee. We know he does all kinds of things around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he calms the storm there. The Sermon on the Mount takes place up in that area. And we know that, that likely he is in Peter's home here in Mark chapter 2. How do we know that? Well, in Mark chapter 1, verse 29, he's also in Capernaum just a, few, uh, a short time before this. And it says that he went to Peter's home, Peter and Andrew's home, to, to heal Peter's mother-in-law. And so likely, my belief is that he's in Peter's home here. It doesn't tell us that exactly, which always causes me to wonder, can you imagine Peter? We'll talk about this in a little bit, but can you imagine Peter? Peter is impetuous Peter. Pastor, he's been preaching through the book of Peter. This is the guy that called everybody out for everything, right? Can you imagine when he's standing in his house and the roof starts coming off? Wait a minute, what's going here? You know, somebody's ripping down my roof. What's happened? So I just always like to imagine the thoughts in Peter's mind when these four guys rip off the roof to bring someone to Jesus. But um, they're in the house, probably 50 to 100 people in the home there, right? Maybe, I don't know, it's probably a fairly small, home, but it's crowded to the point where they're, they're pushed back away from the doors, right? So they can't even get to the doors of the home. And what's Jesus doing? It tells us there in verse 2. Jesus is preaching the word. It says he preached the word to them. You know, Jesus's core concern is always truth. Jesus's core concern is always the word of God. Yes, he healed folks. Yes, he encourages people. Yes, he demonstrates the power of God in so many ways, but his core concern is always the truth of the Word of God. And that's what we hope our primary concern is always here. So we say our, our first value is we are about the gospel. We're about the good news of Jesus Christ in all of its fullness, in all of what God communicates us to his truth. And, and that's what Jesus does here. So let's kind of take a look at this and ask ourselves, who was this guy? Who is he? Well, it doesn't say a lot, right? Verse 3 and 4 says, then, he came to him, then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed in which the paralytic was lying. No name, no description, just somebody who couldn't get to Jesus on his own. Somebody who needed help reaching Jesus Christ. You know, in a lot of ways, that describes every one of us before we came to Christ. Because of sin in our lives, we had no hope of reaching him. And Jesus, God, through Jesus Christ, had to provide a way of rescue for us. We're all broken and crippled in our lives without Jesus. There is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. And that's what we see here. Somebody who's a little bit like us. Now, of course, his situation is that he's paralytic, but we'll also see later on um, that he needed his sins forgiven just like we do. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says this about all of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I heard this when I was a kid. You know what the word all means there? All means all and that's all all means, right? That's it. It means every one of us cannot live righteously before a holy God. And then look at these verses a little bit further down in Romans 3. Romans 3 verse 9 says this, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. Before I go any further in reading that, just think about it. So many of us come into a church building and maybe it's cultural for us to show up. 
Maybe we just think we ought to because it's the beginning of the year. Uh, Maybe we think, you know, my neighbor didn't come, but I came, so I'm a little better off than they are. No, no. The scripture tells us that we all find ourselves in the same situation apart from Jesus Christ. We're no better than anyone else. Let me continue. It says, what then? Are we better than they? No, not at all. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There's none that understands. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Apart from Jesus Christ, all the good things that we do mean absolutely nothing. There is no way to bridge the gap between God and man apart from Jesus Christ. We are sinful and we are separated from him. Not very good news, is it? (laughs) But God, right? Apart from Jesus Christ. The great news is that Jesus came to rescue us from this. Look at this verse here in Romans chapter 5, just to kind of reiterate it. Romans 5, 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. What does that mean? Because Adam was disobedient, The Bible teaches us that all men now fall under sin. Adam was transferred from the kingdom of light to the kingdom of darkness because of his sin. And then the Bible teaches us that as a result of his sin, we all are in sin. There is no way of rescue apart from Jesus Christ. And that results in what? Death. Not just physical death, although that was part of it, but spiritual death, eternal separation from a holy God. No hope, no chance of joy, no chance of peace. That's where we find ourselves. And I don't want to just sit here um, on the first day of, or very close to the new year and, and, and drive this home. But man, if we don't get this right, if we don't understand that our friends and our neighbors all throughout this town face this same situation, then the rest of this message doesn't mean anything. Because it's only through Jesus Christ that there's rescue. Listen, we can't find fulfillment, peace, purpose, no purpose, or forgiveness apart from Jesus. And so must many in our community find that same hope, and it's only found through Christ. You know, who was this man? Somebody who wasn't going to come on his own. I don't know when it is that we're going to start to realize that putting a bigger sign up front or building a bigger building isn't necessarily going to bring the unchurched into River Oak Church. You know? We start thinking, oh, we're going to do that. Well, some may come, but for the most part, they don't want to be here. Why? Because they're sinful. Our greatest strength as a body of believers, our greatest strength as River Oak Church as we head into 2019 is not that we gather on Sunday morning. We gather on Sunday morning for the encouragement and the learning and the growth and the discipleship that comes out of being together. We don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's why we say worship with us weekly. But it's not our greatest strength. Our greatest strength is that we have thousands of people who call River Oak home that work all over Hampton Roads and live all over Hampton Roads on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And if we would all be fully engaged in what it is that God has asked us to do, then there's no stopping the work that God is going to accomplish in this area. Our greatest strength is that we are not here on Sunday morning that we interact with people at work. We interact with our families. We interact with our neighborhoods. That's our greatest strength. And they need to be brought to Jesus. We impact the world, we say. But do we really mean it? Do we really mean the words when we say, lead me in love to those around me? 
Let's ask ourselves that. And then, who brought him? Who, was, who, who brought this man? Well, it's four men who cared enough to bring him. That's all we know. We don't have their names. We don't have any other description of them. But they cared enough about him to bring him to Jesus. And then look what it says there in Mark chapter 2, verse 5. I love this. This is cool. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? The faith of the four men who, who came. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Man, when Jesus saw their faith, what was he seeing? He saw their faith because they were willing to do what they did. They had passion. There was friendship. There was love. He saw the faith that they had to bring their friend to him. What does Jesus see in our lives as we're living on a daily basis? What do you see in your life this week? What do you see in my life this week? It's convicting, isn't it, when you think about the time that we spent all this week? Did he see us caring for others, being willing to reach out to others, living in a way that's captivated and changed by Jesus Christ? Is he going to see that in 2019 in each one of our lives? How do we demonstrate that we're sold out to him? You know, I was interviewed a couple months ago for Outreach Magazine, and it's, you know, you get these calls because River Oaks has grown rapidly in the last 10 years, and they want to know all the secret sauce, you know. And <laughs> the secret sauce is the Holy Spirit and Jesus working. It has nothing to do with anything else. But you're answering all these questions and talking about strategy, and, and I got to the end of the interview, and I thought to myself, you know what? It has nothing to do with our location. Location may draw a crowd. Thank the Lord for it. It has nothing to do with the free coffee. It has nothing to do with the worship songs that we sing. It has nothing to do with the fact that we have a pastor who's occasionally funny. Um, he, come on, you've got to admit, it's only occasionally. I mean, the notes are up here. Listen, all those things can draw a crowd, but they don't result in life change. And people don't stick unless they know that they're loved and they're cared for and they hear the truth. So that's what we want to be. We want to be people that care about others. Chesapeake wants to know whether we care about them. Chesapeake wants to know whether or not we love them. Your friends and your neighbors, they, they want to know that. Are we demonstrating it to them in the way that we live, in the words that we speak? If this truth of Jesus Christ is that important to us, do we, do we care enough to, to share it with them? Tom Rayner in 2007, so I recognize this is about 10, 11 years old, this statistic, but it's, uh, I, I can't imagine that the percentage points would have changed that much in the last 10 years, although I imagine they went down a little. 82% of unchurched people, people that are completely unchurched, 82% of them say that they would go to church and, and, and see what it was all about if someone would invite them. 82%. That's what the statistics say. Same study says that less than 2% of people who attend church will ever invite anyone to church. Less than 2%. And unfortunately, I think that percentage is even lower when it comes to who's going to actually share their faith. Who's going to actually communicate the truths of Jesus Christ? Who's going to actually share what it means to have a relationship with the Lord? Now, uh, my hope and my prayer, I'm thankful for our church, and my hope and my prayer is our percentages are a little bit higher than that. But they're probably not where they need to be. When I consider my own, my own walk with the Lord, when I consider, you know, what God has done in my heart and my life, I know that He needs to continue to do a work. And I know He needs to do a, continue to do a work in our church it's kind of a layup. Some of you guys play basketball, right? You're watching a game and they say, say uh, man, this team can't make their layups. Look, if you're ever coaching a team for the first time, if a team can't make layups, then they're never going to win. It's like a layup to ask people to come to church according to those statistics. But if we can't even make layups, 
then we're not going to see the Lord work and change people. We're just going to be a big gathering of folks. Man, it's fun to be a big gathering of folks. It's fun to be part of what's exciting. But life change is what this needs to all be about. My, my daughter works in a church up in Ohio. It's called Christ Community Chapel in Hudson, Ohio. And their founding pastor made this statement, and I, I love it. Uh, Jim College. It says, our community doesn't have to like our church. But if we weren't here, would they miss us? Like, they don't have to like the fact that we say that Jesus Christ is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. They, they don't have to like the fact that of, of what the gospel says, but would they miss us if we were gone? Do we really demonstrate that we care for them? I mean, I'm thankful for a church that, that does things like the, the expanding Oscar Smith ministry, what we're doing at Portlock. You guys were incredibly generous when it came to Angel Tree ministry and some of the other ministries that we're involved in across town. I know many of you work at CPC or you work in the, in, in, in the public school system and, and you're willing to lift up other people and help them. Many of you in your neighborhoods and towns help others. But would they really miss us if we were gone? Other than the traffic jam on Sunday mornings. Right? They'd probably be glad that's gone. But would they really miss us? Are we willing to tear the roof off to bring people to Jesus? I, you might say to me, now Dave, listen, that, that's good, but I don't have much to offer. I, I, just, I just don't, there's not much that I could do. I, I want you to picture uh, you've, you're sitting at home and you order a pizza. Right? And the pizza delivery guy comes to the door. Like last night, when all of you were watching what purported to be bat football games last night, they were terrible. Um, you know, I mean, unless you're an Alabama fan or a Clemson fan, basically there was no football on last night. Um, they just kind of did whatever they wanted to do. But you're at home, and you're still hoping that Oklahoma's really going to come around, so you order a pizza. And the guy shows up at your door, and he's got the pizza in his hand, and no box. And he's just kind of holding it there. The cheese dripping down the arm, sauce all over the floor. And you're thinking, what's the first question that's going to come to your mind when he comes to the door? Where's the box? Where's the box, right? I don't know where that hand has been. What are you doing? What are you doing? We got this box, right? How much do you think this thing's worth? I think this is really great. It played right into my illustration. So I went down to Papa John's yesterday, and I, and I walked in and I said, hey, this is going to sound a little strange, but can I buy an empty box from you? And the girl just looked at me and said, here, you can have it. I mean, that's how much it's worth, that the clerk at the front feels comfortable just giving it away, right? I mean, so it's a pretty much just an empty box. What makes this worthwhile is the product that's inside of the vessel, right? It's the product is Jesus Christ inside of us that makes us able to serve. He is the one who allows us the power to change our lives. He's the one that can, can, can be a, allow you to be a testimony to your friends and your neighbors and give you the courage that you need, right? So are we willing to be a pizza box this year? right? Are we willing to, to be clean, live an obedient life, and be available and to be used? It's that simple because the power of Christ will do the rest if we know Him as our personal Lord and Savior. Are we willing to be a pizza box and are we willing to tear off the roof to bring people to Jesus? Let's take, let's take a look at the, the third question, which is where'd they bring Him? Where'd they bring Him? Well, when they, they brought him to Jesus, right? The only person that could do anything for him, he was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. 
The only person that could heal him was Jesus Christ, and they bring him to Jesus. It's the same for us. The only hope for this world is Jesus Christ. If you're counting on our political system, you might as well just forget it, all right? If you're counting on, uh, on the money that you're making through your job, forget it. If you're counting on relationships that you have, forget it. Jesus Christ is the only hope, and he's available. That's who we need to direct people toward with our lives, Jesus himself. They believe that Jesus could change the man's life. Now, Jesus sees even more, right? And when you look at verses 6 to 9 here, we won't go back and read them. When you look at verses 6 to 9, you see this account of what Jesus perceives, right? There's always someone that questions God's work when God is working mightily in, in an area, right? There's always, when barriers come down and people are being reached, there's always someone who, who resists. And oftentimes our greatest resistance comes, from with, resistance comes from within, unfortunately. That's what happens here. The religious leaders, they're resisting him. But remember who we serve. This is the God who knew what they were going to say or thinking before they even said it out loud. That's our Jesus. And he says, hey, which is easier for me to do? Just say that your sins are forgiven or to actually tell a man to rise up and walk? So it's a whole lot easier for me to just say your sins are forgiven, right? Because no one will know whether that happened or not. But he wanted to make a point. He wanted to make the point that he is God, that he's deity, and then also that he could forgive sins and that that was the key to the rest of what was about to happen. But then he says in verse 12, Mark 2 verse 12, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that they were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. They were amazed and they glorified God. Do we still believe that Jesus can change lives? If that's true, then why are only 2% of us even asking folks to come to church and much less sharing the truth of the gospel. Why are we not fully engaged every minute of every day? Listen, I know we care here at River Oak, but there's only really two answers to why we're not doing something, why we're not asking folks and bringing them with us. Either we don't care, or we don't really truly believe that Jesus can change lives. There's only two reasons. Because if we believe that Jesus can change a life, then we would be engaged in, in talking to people and demonstrating our love for them and our care for them every minute of every day. Because if he can radically change a life, if he can radically bring light and hope to someone, then why aren't we more engaged in it? Where do they bring him to Jesus? And then how'd they get him there? <laughs> Using whatever means were necessary, right? Whatever was necessary. In the, in the account of this same miracle in the book of Luke, it says that they had to rip tiles off the roof. How many of you have ever ripped a roof off of a house? Is it easy? Not easy work. All right? And I know this was in the Old Testament times a couple thousand years ago, and there would have been more of a thatched roof and mud, but it says in Luke that there were tiles. Luke always has all the details. There were tiles that they had to rip off. Not easy work. Our, our rock builders a year and a half ago went up to Poughkeepsie, New York to help uh, put a new roof on Jake Dunlow's church, and they'll tell you it was not easy working in the sun all day trying to do that. But these men were willing to do whatever was necessary to get their friend to Jesus. Went to a lot of trouble. Why? Because it was worth it. Let me ask you this question again. Are we willing to tear the roof off to bring people to Jesus? That roof, what's it represent? It represents those barriers, those limitations that hold us back. 
from reaching others for Christ. It's kind of that line in the sand, right, where you say, oh, I'm, not, I'm not going past that line. How about comfort and convenience? Well, not here, not at River Oak. Man, we, we work hard. I'm not saying we don't. We've worked, many people have worked very hard for many, many years. But have you ever heard, hey, this is just not the same church anymore? They don't do it the way that, that we used to do it. Now listen, we compromise truth and say that and, and run far away. When we compromise God's word or truth, we don't want to ever compromise that. But there's a lot of people here now, right? It's all fun and games until someone takes your parking spot, right? I mean, let's just face it. Let's just face it. Or the church comes and asks you to, to park 20 to 30 feet further away. You say, man, I, I, I'm not willing anymore to walk those extra 30 to 40 feet because there are people that I'm not like coming to this church now. Because that's the second one. It's kind of this us versus them. Well, they're sinners anyway. We don't really want them. No. The broken, the crippled, and the hurting <laughs> describes all of us, doesn't it? And that's what we want to be about. We want to be a place of grace and truth that is inviting. And that was the beginnings of our church. And as we head into 2019, we want it to continue. We say we have a seven-year vision, TM25, transformation and multiplication throughout all of the Tidewater area by the year 2025. God will do amazing things if we just allow him to work through us starting right away this year. Listen, I want to commend you guys again. I mean, we're a church that does that. And it's so awesome to, to sense your love and your care for us as pastors and staff. And it's so awesome to see the love and the concern and the care that you have for our community. But are we all engaged completely in what we're asking all of us to do? Right? Are we all engaged in growing in our walk with Christ by being connected to a life group? Are we all engaged in serving on a ministry team? Are we all engaged on going each and every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? with the gospel of Jesus Christ all over town. Look, the only one who can forgive sins and cause the lame to walk is Jesus, right? The only one who can take a broken heart and make it whole is Jesus. The only one who can take a dirty life and make it clean is Jesus. What are we spending our life doing? What are we spending our time doing? Man, let's make it real this year. I, I heard this passage preached uh, a number of years ago by a pastor, that my mom and dad's pastor, and he, he, he made these three statements about this passage. And I'm going to kind of wrap all this together with these three statements. He said, every church has a roof. And we've already talked about that one a little bit. Every church has a roof. What's that mean when he says every church has a roof? Well, it means that um, every church, rep there, there's, it represents a limit of how far a church will go to bring people to Jesus. Listen, are we willing to tear off every roof? People that aren't quite like us. They don't think exactly the way we think. Their, their upbringing isn't quite the same as our upbringing. Maybe there's some addiction. Maybe there's some family brokenness. Maybe they just theologically don't think the same way that we do initially until they know the truth of Christ. What are we willing to do? Maybe their lifestyle isn't pleasing to what we would think it ought to be. Listen, there is no roof at River Oak. I mean, I, 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 there shouldn't be. Now, I get that we're a unique church. Every church is unique, and God has called us and placed us here for a unique calling to a unique group of people, and every church kind of reaches people differently. That's part of what we try to discern as we move forward. 
But man, we've got to be open to whatever God calls us to do, wherever he calls us to be, whoever he calls us to go to. The second thing here is that every person has a map, mat. Every person has a bed just like this man. We all come in a lot like him. We're all crippled because of our sin. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. There are no perfect people here. In fact, if you need perfect people, then you wouldn't have a pastoral staff and you wouldn't have a lot of leadership. And the only people that would be left, you really don't want to be around. Okay? Um, we don't have that here. What we have is sinners saved by grace because God has done an amazing thing in our lives. Amen? That's what we have. We're messed up. That mat represents something that's holding back, something that's broken in our lives. Maybe it's our marriage, maybe it's our family, maybe it's our work, maybe it's health, maybe it's financial difficulties. Something that, that needs Christ to enter the picture and change things for us. Or maybe you're a believer and you've fallen away, you're, you're drifting away from where God wants you to be in your life. You're not all in, fully committed. Then it represents that, that thing that you need Jesus to come in and work on in your life. 1 John 1, 9 says, for uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank the Lord for his forgiveness that he offers to each and every one of us. We all have a mat, but thank the Lord <laughs> that every person can be changed, right? That every one of us can be changed by Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is where it begins. It begins in the heart. So many people want to go outside in. They say, well, I'm going to clean myself up first, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to clean myself up and then I'm going to join that life group. I'm going to clean myself up and then I'm going to start coming to church. I'm going to clean myself up and then I'm... Listen, only Jesus can clean, clean us up. Jesus works from the inside out in our lives. We've got to commit ourselves, surrender ourselves completely to him. He's the answer and he can change us. The ultimate source of all of the brokenness in this world is sin. And once Jesus comes in and forgives us of our sins, it's amazing what can happen after that. Relationships are mended addictions can fall, can fall away. It doesn't mean we don't have to work through them, but we can, all of these things can, can begin to happen in our lives, right? The sin of, uh, the, the, uh, in our lives, the, the anger can begin to fall away. Why? Because we begin to pursue the fruit of the Spirit in our life, and Jesus Christ gives us the power to do that, but it comes through Him. He can, in fact, change lives. I'm a Red Sox fan. Are you guys Red Sox fans? It's a good year, right? I mean, we, we won the World Series. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up for all of you Yankee fans that we won. This is our fourth since you've won one. Uh, just, just bring it up. Just bring it up. But listen, from 1918 to 2004, they had this thing called the curse, right? And Red Sox fans are kind of silly and kind of crazy. Um, in about 2002, 2003, they invited Babe Ruth's grandchildren. If you don't know this, um, the Red Sox fans all believe that Babe Ruth cursed what he did, tried to curse the Red Sox in 1918 because they traded him away. And in about 2002, they invited Babe Ruth's grandchildren to come back to Fenway Park and publicly everyone stood and apologized to Babe Ruth's grandchildren <laughs> for, for what they'd done in trading him away. Now, I think it's a bunch of malarkey that that had anything to do with anything, although I am a Red Sox fan, so you got to hang on to those things, right? But no, that's a bunch of malarkey, that, all that cursed stuff. But you know what's very real? The curse that's on this world because of sin. 
It's very real. And there's only one hope, and that's Jesus Christ. And we have that hope. The question is whether or not we're willing to tear the roof off this place, push back the barriers, and get out there and let people know that we care as we move into this next year. So two questions for you as you go. Number one, what's the mat in your life? Are you carrying a mat? Is there some brokenness in your heart and in your life that needs to be healed? Well, that begins with Jesus Christ. Without Him, it'll never be healed. And in a few minutes, I'm going to invite you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, to come forward. There's going to be men and women here that can show you how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What could be better than to start out 2019 with new faith, new life in Jesus, new hope, new joy, new peace? And then if you're a Christian and you've fallen away and you say, man, I need to get back on track, Pastor Dave. I I need to start doing this a little bit more. Maybe you need to come up here and maybe we can just stand across the front as we sing the last song and just cry out to the Lord and pray to him that, that he forgive us of our sin and that we would be more faithful. And then church members, listen, here's the question for you. What are you willing to commit to? Are you willing to commit to be part of us taking the roof off of this place so that we can invite people in here who need the gospel of Jesus Christ so they can then pick up their mat and walk on out of here? I want to show you a quote. I think these guys have it. From the pastor who preached this a couple years ago, and I kind of like these three points. He said, the very thing that carried the man, the mat that owned him, he carried out because of what Jesus had done in his life. The very thing that carried the man, the mat, he carried out because of what Jesus had done in his life. The very thing that has defeated you, the very thing that has imprisoned you, the very thing that enslaves you because of your sin, you can carry out of here through the power of Jesus Christ if you're willing to come to him and pray with him. And then all the rest of us, what are we willing to do? When we sing this song in just a minute, Build Your Life, that we sang a little bit before, I want to ask each and every one of you to stand here and sing it and ask yourself, do I mean these words? What am I going to do with this in 2019? In fact, I'd invite many of you, if you're willing, to just come on down here and commit this year to the Lord. And let's just have the front just filled with folks praising the Lord for who He is and asking Him to help them tear the roof off so that we can bring more people to Jesus Christ with every head bowed and every eye closed. In just a minute, these guys are going to come out here and we're going to sing. And what I just said is that there'll be a spiritual response team up here. But not just, some of you may need to pray with these guys and and they would, men and women, and they would love to do that. They'd love to show you how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But many others of you just need to commit this year to the Lord. Every minute of every day. Being willing to tear off the roof. And you may want to come up here too. But let's mean what it is that we sing. That we want to grow in our walk with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you now, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work mightily in this place. Lord, I pray that you, your will would be done. God, it's not about us. It's not about this church. It's not about anything that we've done, but God, we pray 
that you would work in the hearts of men and women here today. God, if someone here needs to know you as their Lord and Savior, give them the courage to step out. If someone just needs to commit um, something in their life to you that's, that's gone awry, give them the courage to step out. If someone just wants to commit and say, Lord, this, is, this year is for you. God, in 2019, I'm going to use my time wisely. I'm going to build my life for you. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to come. And let's just pray together, sing together, and commit this year to you. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Let's sing together.